Uh, but we will be in 1 John chapter 2. We are going through the book of 1 John. It's such a simple, straightforward book, honestly. It, it kind of preaches itself. So it's amazing that God allows me to open my mouth and to share from the word. And you all could read these same words by God's grace. That's the beauty of the word of God. But I would love to go deeper into the word with you and try to understand what is it the Lord has for us. What does he want from our hearts? And the, and the theme of 1 John speaks to the assurance of faith that Christians have. True believers, can we be certain that we have eternal life? Not only can we, we should. And we will as we go through and we read this letter from John. So let's open up to chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. And not to be confused with the gospel according to John is the, the fourth book in the New Testament. This is towards the end, uh, the epistle of 1 John. John wrote five books that you find in the New Testament. And of course, I'm going to go to Mark in one second. Okay. There we go. Picking up at verse 3 in chapter 2. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Did you know that in the world today, according to one survey, apparently 2.3 billion people claim to be Christians. 2.3 billion claim that they would identify with, with Christianity in one form or another. And that's out of over 7 billion people on our planet. So that's statistically a significant amount. But in America, 230 million people identify as Christians. And that's at a population of 330 million. So that means, if that were true, most of the people you interact with would be believers, right? That's about two out of three. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper. When someone says, I'm a Christian, what are their reasons for saying, I am a Christian? That's just as important. And some of the top reasons given, you know, according to, to one man who's, who's done a lot of surveying apologetics and talking to people, here's three common reasons. One, well, I grew up in the Christian tradition. I grew up going to church. My, my family, you know, I had a grandpa that was a pastor. So there's like a lineage view of, like, I'm a Christian because it's in my family past. Second, my parents are Christians. Okay, even closer Right? Like, not just sometime in the past, but, you know, hey, I'm connected to my parents. I'm from them. And, hey, didn't the Old Testament kind of talk about, you know, kind of the whole family is gathered in this clan? So, kind of that clan mindset. You know, I'm coming under my parents. Thirdly, I'm a morally good person. I'm a good person. And I, you know, I try to do the Ten Commandment thing. I try to, you know, do the love God. Love. So, I'm a Christian. Those are the reasons that are given. And according to the Bible that I have in front of me, and I think you have in front of you, those are not legitimate reasons 
for one to be a Christian. You should not have assurance of faith in Christ based on those reasons. Because nowhere in Scripture are those given as reasons for how you come to faith in Christ or have eternal life. That, that A plus B does not equal C. That, that's not how it works. And to make sure we understand what gives eternal life, what is the gospel, look back at verses 1 and 2 of this chapter. So important. We spent a whole message on it last week, and I don't want to skip over it. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. We are all sinners. There's a reality of sin and brokenness in the world. But if anyone does sin, we, the believers, true Christians, have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. He's reminding the church of, hey, for those of you that actually put your faith in Christ, you have an advocate speaking right now on your behalf before the Father and speaking on your behalf when Satan accuses you or when your own heart doubts you. Jesus speaks a better word than all your fears and doubts. Amen? Jesus speaks a better word. He's the advocate. He's the righteous one. He's the lawyer that will absolutely set you free. Why? Because he's already paid the penalty for your sin. That's why he says he's a propitiation not only for our sins but for the whole world. He is powerful enough to be the righteous advocate for every person on this planet. 2.3 billion? That's nothing to Jesus. Sufficient for the whole world. But it doesn't say everyone in the world has an advocate. We have an advocate. Those of us who have faith in Jesus, he has covered our sins. That's that propitiation word, big word. And it means all of your biggest sins, all little sins, covered by the big grace of God. So that's the good news that leads to eternal life. That is the reason to give. I am a Christian because I believe this. I say yes and amen. I was a sinner, and Jesus died in my place, and he offered me a way. And I took it. I took it. I believe. By the grace of God, I have faith. So in verses 3 through 6, John says, this is how you know if you are one of us, if you are one of the believers. Right? There's three ways that we would know we have legitimate faith. First of all, we keep his word. That's clear in verses 3 through 4. He says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. That word know, or a form of know, is used four times in just four verses. So if you didn't pick up on the fact that the theme of 1 John is assurance, am I a Christian? This is it. That you may know, that you may know, that you have come to know, right? So, so look at that, that grammatical structure of that sentence. Right? We know presently, right now, today, you can know if you were to get in your car and you were to get T-boned in an accident there in university and Longwood Run, I would know that I'm going to see Jesus face to face and be in heaven if I have come to know him in the past and I continue to know him today by keeping his commandments. So all those different tenses there. There has to be a point in time in your life where you have come to know him. 
The perfect tense means that there was a starting point in the past and it continues and it has impact even today. So if someone says, I was born a Christian, no, I'm sorry, you were not. The Bible says we were born in sin. All of us. Pastor, you too? Absolutely. All of us. And even my beautiful children. Born sinners. We're all born sinners on this planet. And no one can work their way out of that sin. So at some point, you had to respond to that gift of Jesus. You had to claim him as your Savior. And he covered your sin. And he's an advocate for you. That had to happen at some point. And, and that real, authentic relationship began with you. A personal journey. And it continues to this day. That's why I can't say, well, I grew up in church, or I went to church in the past, or I prayed a prayer in the past, and then I just went off and did my own thing the rest of my life. The Bible speaks of a faith decision as a relationship with God. He invites us into that relationship, never to leave us. He brings us in. And we have assurance if we keep his commandments. We listen to his voice. We know this is the word of God. And we respond to the word of God. The unbeliever doesn't respond to the word of God. They might find it curious. They might quote bits and pieces of it and say, hey, you know, there's some good wisdom in here. There's some problems. Yeah, I believe in a God. And, oh, but, but surely, you know, God wouldn't send people to hell. And surely, you know, that, that cross thing, that's bloody, that's violent. I don't, I don't want to believe in that. The child of God takes the word of God, but we believe it, and, and we claim it, and we obey whatever God calls us to do. It makes you think of, uh, in, in the neighborhood street, you've got all these houses, right? It's in our neighborhood. We've got, we've got houses next to each other. Everyone's kind of got their yard. Some yards are bigger than others. And, and you know, our kids, they play in our yard, but they also go into the neighbor's yards. They go down the sidewalk. Sometimes they try to go out in the street. You got to holler and bring them back in. But at the end of the day, when it's dinner time or when it's time to clean up and get ready for bed, if there were multiple parents out in the street saying, hey, kids, come on in. Time to get ready for bed. Who's going to come to my yard? It's going to be my children because my children know my voice. They have a relationship with me. I'm their father. Lacey is their mother. If she called them, they respond the same way. This is my home. This is my yard. I know my place. That's the believer's relationship to the word. Yeah, I, I wander. I struggle. There's seasons of doubts and fears and worries. And, oh, is this, is, is this true? Am I understanding this? And, and people make me question, you know, what, what, what do I believe? But at the end of the day, we come back to our yard. We come back to the home, the fellowship we have with God. We don't wander from that. So we keep his word because that's the ongoing relationship that we have. In fact, that word keep, it can also mean guard. So think about a guard, like the, the British guard at Buckingham Palace, not moving. No matter what faces you make in front of that guard, he's not moving. Make fun of his hat, doesn't matter. So the believer keeps God's word in his heart. The psalmist says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's not cruel for giving us commands because a child of God knows that he's a good father 
and his path is the one that leads to life. He knows all things. And if we knew all things like God did, we would want to choose the same path that, that he did because it's the best possible way to him be the glory. So we keep up his word. We treasure his word. We love his word. We don't perfectly keep his word, but we presently strive to keep his word. If you think back to one of the most famous passages in the New Testament, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, the ESV says, observe all that I have commanded you. You could actually translate that word observe, keep, or guard. It's the same word. So but I, I want to draw that out because when I think of observe, I think of like Sherlock Holmes with a magnifying glass and I'm just looking, you know, I'm examining something, but, but the keep to guard, that's something that I actively do, not in my own strength, right? This is the spirit of God at work in the life of a believer. That's why we keep the word. That's why we hold to the word when the world goes the other way. What's the difference? The spirit of God is at work in me. And I'm the one responding because I'm a child of God. So we love that word. Now, some might speak up an objection here. Josh, no, no, you, you're adding works to the gospel here. You're saying, you know, you have to have faith and works to be saved. And the Bible just says you have to believe. Okay, so someone could believe and they could just run off and do their own thing their whole life. And they could be a Christian. Well, here's the mistake in that thinking. I am not talking about the entryway to the gospel. We just read that in verses 1 and 2, right? It doesn't, the Bible does not say, oh, you have to be a good person. You have to be an obedient person to have a relationship with God. No way. If, if that's the bar, you and I are never going to make it. We are the sinners just crying out for mercy, crying out for grace, coming to God. Jesus was the righteous one. Jesus was the obedient one. I was not. So let's be clear. You come to, to the cross by faith, by faith alone, by God's grace. So what we're saying is someone that uses their own lips and, and says, I am a Christian. Well, now you have just set the bar for this is what a relationship with Christ looks like. Your own words will condemn you. If your lifestyle is completely different from what the Word of God says, right? I'm not putting words in your mouth. You claim to be a Christian? And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, it is not my business to judge outsiders, right? I expect unbelievers to live like the world. I expect unbelievers to live in wickedness. I can't look down on them. I can't judge them. I want to love them. I want to reach them for Christ. But I do judge those in the church. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm living with somebody. Well, doesn't God's word say that it, that is a, the wrong path to be on? We, we should look in our hearts and say, am I a believer? If I'm not actively desiring to keep the word of God in any way, if I'm not convicted about my sin, if I don't think that's a problem at all, you, you might need to scratch your head on that one and... and, and Ask the Lord to help you see the truth. It's so important for us to keep the Word of God, to keep the commands of God, specifically the Word of God generally. And making disciples is our mission 
and it's tied to the Word of God. You and I have no authority to make disciples of ourselves. Jesus says, go in my authority. You make disciples of me. It's tied to his word. It's tied to the gospel. It's tied to the entire testimony, Old Testament and New Testament that we have here. And that's why our small group gathers every week around the word. And we go deeper in the word, and that brings fellowship. It's not enough to just say we believe the right things. We also want to see the truth lived out in community. And then that drives our mission. Jesus, community, mission. It's all around the word, saturating and filling us up. And I have a couple copies on the way. I want to encourage you all. Uh, what, what's a great way to, to disciple, to, to be discipled or to disciple someone? Start with the commands of Christ. Very simple and straightforward. And also very easy to see if someone actually wants to listen to the voice of Jesus or not. And, and so in that pamphlet there, it's a discipleship tool. There's seven lessons, seven studies on the commands of Jesus. Repent and believe. Does a Christian need to repent and believe? Yeah, can't, can't be a follower of Jesus without that. Be baptized. That's a command of Christ. And that's often a hangout for people. Wow, I don't need to do that. It's a command from Christ. Gather for worship. Love God and love your neighbor. Are any of these optional? Nope. Make disciples. Pray and persevere. Start there. Hear the voice of Jesus and respond. And if you say, hey, I, I've never discipled anyone before. I'm not sure I could, I could do that. Hey, just start with the tool. Go through it yourself. And if you're devoted to Jesus and you're following his commands and obeying him, then God is going to bless you. Allow him to use you to reach others. They're not going to find their way to Jesus on their own. They need someone to go to them and show them the love of Jesus and to teach them the word. And verse 4 warns us that it is possible to say, I know him. It's possible to say, I know Jesus and I'm a Christian, but not keep his commandments. That person is a liar. That person does not have the truth of God in their heart. And, and to be honest, our hearts are so wicked and so blind apart from Christ that for someone to say I'm a Christian and be lying, first of all, they're lying to themselves. That's why we have compassion on these people. That's why I preach this truth this morning, not to judge anyone and say, hey, because I care about you, let's all look in the mirror here and, and see, is this who we really are? If you were to run into somebody in public and, and they were to say, oh, you know Josh Comas. I know Josh Comas. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, he, yeah and you say, he, they, they moved down here and they live in North Sarasota and this person in public says, no, he lives in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he weighs 300 pounds. You know, he, he was a lineman, you know, in, in high school and college. Uh, his wife's name is Sarah. No, I think his wife's name is Lacey. They have four kids. Oh, no. No, Josh doesn't have any kids. Also, he cheers for the Green Bay Packers. And at this point, you say, okay, you and I do not know the same people, right? Because there's no way on earth I would ever cheer for the Green Bay Packers. Never in a million years, right? You know, that is not Josh Thomas. So when people say, I know Jesus, also, I can love my sin. I can do what I want. I don't have to listen to God. John says that category does not exist. There's not a category for a Christian who despises the word of God 
and does not follow Jesus. This isn't just pray a prayer. This is, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my all. And I fall short. And I'm imperfect. And I mess up. And there are times where I don't want to do what the Bible says. And there are parts of the Bible that I'm scratching my head and I'm like, why is that in there? Why Do I really got to believe that? And at the end of the day, the child of God will choose to walk by faith and trust the Father and come back for mercy and grace when we fall short. The unbeliever will not. So we want to speak truth here. Which means we want to keep the word of God. The word is a lamp to our feet and light to our path. Secondly, we know we have legitimate faith if we love him, God. Whoever keeps his word, verse 5, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. So what's the this? The this is referring to, well, it could be either God's love or one's love for God. And based on the way that the genitive is used here, right, the, the word of can be used a whole lot of different ways. But here, it's pointing to someone's love for God. Because God's love doesn't need to be perfected, right? God's love is perfect, complete, holy, pure. So by the context, the person whose life is changed by the gospel, who follows Jesus, we complete the love of God by returning that love to him and loving one another. Isn't that what Jesus said when he said, you fulfill the law by loving God and loving one another? And the gospel gives us the grace to do that. We have access to the love of God so we can love him with all that we are. The Bible is not the end all. <coughs> Inspired word of God, yes. Infallible, inerrant, no mistakes, yes, all of that. But what's the point of the Bible? So God can communicate to us. So we can know God and fall in love with him, enter into a relationship with him, and follow him. God is ultimate, and he has spoken through his word, and the living word Jesus shows us, for, shows us who God is. It, it's a similar relationship to, I would say, spouses. We love texting our spouse. You know, love talking to your spouse on the phone, right? You, know, you miss that communication when it's not there. But it's the relationship that is the key, right? That's the blessing. That's the love. Communication leads you deeper into that relationship, right? right? Same way with God. If I'm not reading God's word, if I'm taking time away from God's word and, and it just sits on my shelf collecting dust, or I only ever read the Bible when someone else is teaching it to me, I'm missing out on a deeper relationship with God on my own. To complete God's love is to return his love and it's tied to obedience. We obey God because we love God. Jesus said, John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's not either or. And some people will tell you, Oh, we don't need a biblical world. We need a Christ-like world. I saw that meme on Facebook this week. And it was a minister that posted that. 
We're in a biblical world. We're in a Christ-like world. We need both. We need a biblical world. We need a biblical church. So then we will be Christ-like. So then we will have a close relationship with God. And that needs to be our identity. We need to be wrapped up with God's word. So Christians, this week, are we being intentional with our relationship with God? Is obedience a drudgery, or is it an opportunity for us to show God and respond to God and walk with God in a way that's pleasing to Him and blesses our souls? Because here's what the world won't teach you about obedience. Obedience, commands, no thanks. Obedience brings blessing. That's what the world won't tell you. So how can it be that as I obey these dry, dusty commands from the Bible, that, that my life is full? Because as you walk in God's ways, you see why this is the best way. And if you don't, you will miss out on all those blessings. Because God's way leads to life. He is the joy. And earlier in 1 John 1, He's writing that our joy may be complete. Oh, but wait, now he's saying the love will be complete. Love and joy, they go together. And they certainly go together with God's word. So let's take time this week, make time to enjoy God, to dig into his word, to be challenged in our faith. Do I trust God with this text? Do I want to do what he's calling me to do? And do I believe that his spirit will give me the grace and the power to obey. I can't do it in my own strength. But God, you're not going to call me to do something that you won't also give me the grace to do. You're not going to have me face a temptation or sin that I won't have the strength to say no to. Because Jesus is better. Thirdly, we know that we have faith if we look like him. Let me make sure I'm giving you all the blanks here. Got love made complete. Yes, there are millions. Okay, good. I want to make sure I'm not leaving you behind in the dust. All right, point number three look like Him. So, the end of verse five, he says, By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Now, you might not never know it. It's a double negative. You might never know it. There we go. That's grammatically correct. But the word in, it's so important to our Christian walk. In. A simple word. Two letters. So important. And it's a key teaching in the New Testament. This is something that the Old Testament Israelites could only dream about. The kind of intimacy and closeness and fellowship that we get to enjoy. Galatians 3.26 tells us, In Him you are all children of God through Christ Jesus. In Him. So when I entered into a relationship with Christ and I, I trusted in his covering for sin and I confessed my unworthiness and my wickedness and my sin and I left that at the altar, I entered into a relationship with him. And I'm never going to exit out of that relationship. Amen. You can't lose your salvation. You can't sin your way out of the family of God. Thank God, because I would have done that at least 10 times over by now. His grace holds on to you are in him so obedience doesn't guarantee your salvation 
It's God's grace which leads to obedience, and I abide in him. I abide in that relationship with God. I continue in him. He's my father. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is inside of me, never to be cut off. And I abide in that all throughout my lifelong journey. And this just blew me away. Look at verse 5. So it says, uh, whoever keeps his word in, uh, in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. And whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Wait, who walked on this earth? Jesus did. God did. Both. Because I know I'm talking about grammar a lot this week, which is crazy because I, I despise English grammar. I don't enjoy it. But, but this is so important because what does a pronoun do? It refers to the most recent noun, the antecedent, you would call it. And either John's being really sloppy with his writing, which is not the case, or he is showing you God and Jesus. There's no, there's no distinction there between the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. Let me say that better. Let me say that better. Jesus is God in human flesh. God dwelt among us. He walked with us. He showed us the way to go. He spoke to us. He invites us into fellowship with him. And he is in his glorified body on the throne in heaven at the right hand of God interceding for us. So we can walk in the way because Jesus walked that way before us. God in flesh. He had a body. And he's our example. And God didn't save us just to get us out of hell. Just to get us to heaven. He saved us so he could change our lives forever. So he can make us more like Jesus. And one day we will become fully like Jesus when we see him face to face in heaven. We'll be instantly transformed. No more sin. No more fears. No more stress. No more death. Because Jesus speaks a better word. And in an instant, we will be changed to be like him. So Ephesians 5.1 tells us, Therefore, be imitators of God. Because you're his dearly beloved children. Children look like their father. Or their mother. Right? Like father, like son. And a true child of God will obey because we will be like the one who has bought us and whose spirit is in us. Now, I might be tempted to live like the world, and at times I may. Christians can wander. We are pilgrims after all. We're not home yet. We make mistakes. But you can't deny the resemblance of someone who has been brought into God's family. Who knows that their faith is in Christ and he is in them. They will not be separated. So if, if God is our father and we are his children, what's our DNA? What does he pass on to us that we can then pass on to the world and show that we are like him? I would argue, based on um, previously in 1 John 1, where, where John says God is light, 
I would argue that's what we need to also keep in mind, that we are children of light. That's what we pass on. And that's why the truth is so important. Because people don't find their way to the light unless you show them the light. And if you and I just make up our own opinions, oh, here's how I think you, you make it to heaven, or, you know, you, yeah, you, you do you, you do, good, you do good things, you can make it to heaven. I'm keeping them in the dark. But if I let the light of Christ shine through me, when we understand as a church what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Now I understand our purpose in this community. Now you get why I, I eat and sleep and breathe planting Living Hope Church in this community. Because it's not about me. It's not about, oh, Josh Thomas. He's, he's the pastor and this is, this is the church and he's got his hands all over it. No, no, no. This community is in darkness. Are we okay that this community stays in darkness? Or do we want to see this community step into the light? And if they're stepping in the light, they need to hear the word. And how do they hear the word? Unless someone goes and tells them. And beloved, that's all of us. Are you in the light as he is in the light? So our strategy is pretty simple. Fully devote ourselves to Jesus, his word, and his body. And we love one another. And we will shine brighter and brighter into this community and reach them for Christ and pray that they devote themselves to the Father and the Son and the Spirit and they will walk like Him and we will multiply. But you're here this morning and I'm grateful because you get to look with us at what is legitimate faith. Is your faith resting on the promises of God that when the storms come and the trials come, you might be shaken, but you're not going to be moved. You are convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is your Savior. And as we've gone through this study, maybe you've come to realize, oh, I am, I am one of those people that I've just relied on my parents or my, my religious tradition and upbringing to be my salvation. And let me encourage you this morning. It's very simple. We repent of our sins. And turn and trust in Christ. Your parents don't have anything to do with that. I don't have anything to do with that other than just showing you the way. This is what Jesus says. Repent and believe. Trust him today. Right there in your seat before you go out the door, you can enter into a relationship with Christ. He will be glorified in you and you will have the fullest of joy. I promise you. Or if you're here this morning and you are more convinced, I do have that kind of faith. Praise God. Okay, we haven't arrived yet, right? So there's some part of my life where I need God's word to change me more. Let's search our own hearts today. Let's ask God to seek us out and help us become more like Jesus. And if your faith is in him and can't be shaken, then what do we have to fear when we go out and share the gospel with the lost? They shoot you down, make fun of you, they, uh, they lose respect for you, they block you on social media. Okay. I saw Jesus. So I'm going to go be light this week. I have nothing to fear. Do I have legitimate faith? I keep his word. I love him and I look like him. Yes.
Absolutely, yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for showing us what, what amazing grace you are and have. That God, you are fellowship, you are unified, you are truth, you are light, and you chose by your grace to show us that light. God, I stand up here just a product of grace because you showed me the light and you worked in my heart and I, I responded. God, my faith has a resting place. It's not something that can be seen. It's not something that can be felt. Because sometimes my emotions, Lord, I can swear by my emotions that I'm not safe some days. I just feel so lousy and I feel so down on myself. But Lord, your word speaks a better word. You are the truth, not me. And so today, we can stand in faith in Jesus and know that we are represented in the presence of God. And we have God and his spirit in us. But Lord, if there's anyone here with doubts, may they know how much you love them and care for them. It's okay to have doubts and fears. They can talk about it. We can go to the Word with those doubts and fears. If there's anyone here that is just realizing for the first time that they are a sinner and need of a Savior, may they also see your mercy and how you sent us your Son to save us. That's why we praise you, Jesus. And this week, I pray that we will live out the truths of your Word. And for those who need to enter into that relationship and don't know how to do that, may they just be honest and, and, and tell us. And we'll be happy to show them the way so we can walk together in you. We love you, Christ. Thank you for even using someone like me to share your truth and for choosing your children, all of us, the city of life, to live it out. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.